Hi everybody, welcome to another episode of the Arcanist Podcast. I'm your host, Kimberly Ho, the millennial who finds interest in anything and everything with regards to architecture. Well, today is technically a second recording of our interview with Andy Lee, who is a good friend of mine, and we studied architecture together in 2014. Except prior to 2014, Andy had a very interesting experience, and I would love for him to talk about it and perhaps give us some advice with regards to that topic. But before I start, Andy, could I please get you to tell everybody a little bit about yourself? Yeah, sure. My name's Andy. Uh, I'm a fifth year master's student at Monash. Uh, previously, I did a three-year building design course at Chisholm Institute um, in Frankston before transferring into architecture in 2014. Mm, 2014. Yeah, so prior to that, you did building design, which is the reason why I have you on board today, which is I guess in the recent years, I've come across a couple of people. So like apart from our other colleague, uh, he also did transfer from building design, I believe, and then studied architecture. And so it's quite interesting to see their viewpoints in terms of the world of building design and then putting it onto their architectural design. But for those people who haven't heard about building design, could I just get you to talk to us about it? So building design is a a smaller approach towards architecture is probably the is probably the right way to say it. It's a more condensed version of architecture where uh, we don't look at the theory and the research behind it but more towards the um, regulations and how a building comes together and uh, just learning about the regulations. It was a strong influence in building design towards uh, a business venture more than anything so it was a factor of returning profit for the builds uh, the projects you do in comparison to architecture which looks into more of the conceptual and the more research heavy uh, side of architecture which I don't find them both to be a bad thing mm. I think that we do need a bit of a balance of both um, so it was it was a difficult transition in from building design to architecture but I managed eventually mm, yeah I think the thing that I would like to know more about was what was building design like and yeah if you talk to me about like what were the influences that got you into studying architecture as well so building design it was um, so as I was saying it was similar to architecture but it's a more practical approach to architecture where you learn about the regulations, like the Australian standards, the NCC, and you learn about the how buildings come together um, through the structure. So we worked with um, a number of consultants uh, that were also students, but also lecturers. So in our first year, we look we we're working with um, building managers on our first projects, uh, doing surveys, site measure ups, and all that stuff. And then we've worked with lecturers who had a background knowledge of building design. There were a combination of CAD experts, um, BIM experts, and business side of architecture and how to run a business in architecture. Um, it was also more about learning about the regular. Uh, it was it was a heavy influence on learning about the regulations and how everything works together in building design compared to architecture. So it was a much condensed but very business-oriented approach towards architecture. 
Yeah, I guess in some ways, like, if you look at building design, it's interesting because from what you've talked about, it's very focused on the business, evidently, as you have said. But I find that because it's more focused on the business side of things, a part of me wonder whether that is something that needs to be incorporated into architecture. So I don't know how it felt for you when you jumped into architecture, which again like going back to the reason why I have you here today is because I'm curious to know what got you transition from building design to architecture as well. Um, well yeah it was a difficult transition um, as I said and it kind of started when I went traveling overseas to study. Uh, I was given an opportunity to study in Denmark in Copenhagen at uh, KEA and we worked with architectural technicians and um, we were doing projects there and what really influenced me into going into architecture was being exposed to all the amazing architecture that we saw in Europe. Um, Copenhagen was one of the bigger ones that I noticed with a lot of very brand new projects uh, on the other side of the on the other side of Copenhagen town so on the um, uh, on so on the other side of town it was called Ama and so it was a flat land and there was all these really big projects by local local architects like Bjarke Inglis and um, 3XN and one of the biggest projects that really influenced me into architecture was um, 3XN's Blue Planet the aquarium design which was really cool so the design of the aquarium was based around a whirlpool and this fish swimming within the whirlpool as in they designed the building in such a way that it looked like the whirlpool um i was there on the first day it was open and i saw it and it blew me away the way they created the entry into the into the aquarium as you guiding through like a fish guiding into the whirlpool the center of the whirlpool so it was that that was really powerful in, in its architecture concept. Other projects that was really cool that I saw in Denmark was projects like the Eight Talent by Bjarke Inglis and I think the Mountain Project also by Bjarke Inglis. So a lot of my process of transitioning from building design into architecture and wanting to learn more was through the, through the approach of wanting to learn more about architecture and learn about how things learn the research behind architecture and learn more about it and figure out ways that I can improve my architectural career. Um, like, as you mentioned, like building design is heavily focused on business, but architecture is heavily focused on research. Recently, what we learnt about in our research tasks is um, Nigel Bertram was mentioning how uh, architectural practice and architectural research can actually come hand in hand with each other so they actually work in conjunction with each other so to become a great architect you have to become a great researcher so that was a very heavy influence in it was a very interesting approach so like you can't say business is more catered towards building design and then architecture is more catered to the research i think those two come hand in hand together mm -hmm. so it was very interesting to see that discussion, I guess.
But yeah, going from like you talked about research being integral to making like a great architect, I think it's a question of how long it takes for people to realize that because I'm not sure about you, but when I first jump started into architecture school, I think for me it was like yes, you do need research, but it was like research on precedents and such, but very little in terms about the theory because the theory was fed to us just based on the architects manifestos as well as encouraging us to motivate ourselves to look for resources i think it was also the direction that was missing like in terms of where do we look for resources that i often found a little bit difficult and so knowing that currently your research topic is fifth year because if I'm correct, you are in your final year of your studies. During your bachelor's per se, did you find that you involved yourself in a lot of research or was there something else that you brought to the table that worked for you quite nicely in architecture? Research didn't really come to me that quick. It took me a while to really um, to really hone into that skill. It's still, it's, I still struggle with it today. When I started my first year, I was very, I guess the best way to say it was really corrupted by the practicality of architecture and how every project needs to function. So every project needs to work, it has to be built, has to, you know, return profit and all that stuff. And that was heavily corrupting my mind and I was struggling to move forward from that mindset not for a really long time so it took me a while to pick that up but eventually it it started to sink in a little bit it's still I still struggle with it every now and then um, even today but bachelor's it was a lot harder I think it wasn't until second year in structural where I found that really interesting Mm -hmm synchronization between structure and architecture so you know you can create these really crazy buildings and really unusual buildings with really interesting metaphors and you you can combine them with the structural integrity of it so it can become buildable objects in the long term and then that really opened my eyes up to other architects like um, Zaha Hadid's projects and a lot of those parametric model type projects so it was that really cool Mm. transition from very practical to a very theoretical and just really opening up your mind that was the struggle that I had throughout bachelor year of architecture was Mm. not being able to open up my mind and really see how incredible how, how much architecture can change and how powerful it can Mm. be it took me a while to get to that point I think but eventually I did Um, and it does take research to figure that out and that was the hardest one that I still struggle with today I don't think you're the only one who struggles in terms of research because if you look at the scope of architecture it really is everywhere because a we already know that architecture is not just a term within our design or profession industry like I think for me when I sometimes looked at my LinkedIn this job recommendations are like IT technicians in terms of architects it's it's very confusing (laughs) yeah I saw that a few times um if you have that LinkedIn profile and there was that confusion about what architecture Mm. is within that profile and I didn't realize that LinkedIn Mm actually gave you job recommendations and then I saw that you know architecture 
IT architecture, like that's an unusual little thing to see. And architecture branches off into so many different pathways nowadays. Uh, Mm-hmm. It, it goes into like the visual communication side of things the and then you mm-hmm. go into game design development so there's such a broad term for architecture maybe we should think of maybe another word yeah. for architecture in the built form maybe maybe there's another word for that so mm. yeah but i would say like if you think about it you went into building design and to an extent that is still a form of architecture and then i guess it comes down to this huge questioning of is architecture just about buildings because that has i guess in the popular media or if you look at pop culture media like ted murray's video from how i met your mother um <laughs> or like even the way how frank gary was being portrayed in the simpsons we can all laugh at that definitely but you realize that when you say that those people are an architect it is very frozen in time with that blueprint like even if you look at the steps it's still the same like the whole slanted desk like the blueprints and the protractors and the t-squares it's all just that and i think that partially cemented our attitude to what architecture is um and i think personally i would like to make an argument is that we've always been exposed to architecture but the way we've been looking at architecture has always been the skyscraper because that is the most common attribute or element that we've been associated with too. I still think the architecture has a has a stance in in the built form though, like, but there are mm. openness towards other opportunities now. I transitioned into building design at a young age because of shows like How Me Mother and. Uh, games like The Sims and all that stuff, building homes, and that kind of pushed me towards the idea of going into architecture, not realising not <laughs> realizing that um, it was very much more than just buildings and uh, everything else. You end up learning about the semantics of it, like why is the stair like this or why are footpaths like this, etc. So I think there's really interesting little scope in terms of architecture where you can protect there, there is ways of actually having architecture broach branch out into other opportunities as well now so that wasn't really shown to us at a young age i think that was really shown to us throughout our studies in architecture courses we didn't really realize how much we brought we've branched off into so many different varieties of so many different um career paths now i mean you can go towards a humanitarian aspect of architecture you can go towards a more um, commercial approach of architecture where you're building these massive capitalist projects that makes big money and then you just make a lot of cash for yourself but then there's also other projects where you could be a very um, you can actually do projects that actually benefit the future that could actually change the way we see things. I think architecture has such a heavy influence in so many things now. And with games, I mean, you see so many games with amazing, with these big buildings and whatnot. These big companies actually hire graphic-based architects to actually to actually create the scenery around it. And so then architects spend their days and times making those buildings around it. And another really interesting approach towards architecture 
I saw this job offer available uh, online and it was actually a theater architect, which was pretty interesting. So theater architect, they were actually looking for an architect that actually was asking for architects to design these uh, theater sets for them for their production show when COVID ends. So that was a really interesting. So we weren't really exposed at in the earlier on to how much architecture can branch out until later on into the year. Um, it, it took us a while and I was surprised by how much architecture can branch out to so many different opportunities. Going back to your earlier point, what intrigued me was you were saying about how you entered architecture with the relatively corrupted thought, um, as in like you're pretty limited to like the pragmatics of it. But I think part of me would like to disagree in terms of it's not being corrupt, but it's just more like because would you say that you've learned something for quite some time now and so there was a certain level of difficulty or a bit of a conflict in terms of kind of switching directions and perhaps like your attitudes towards architecture as well. Yeah, well, I think that is part of it because those first three years of building design, it was such a condensed subject that they pushed us into learning all these regulations to make sure that uh, we follow these regulations to be able to build these homes. We went from residential projects into commercial projects within the span of one year. So there was this massive jump and they pushed us into all this information all of a sudden. And in general speaking, it's a very long process to get from residential straight into commercial. you got to learn about this, the smaller stuff between residential and commercial. But you get pushed into all these ideas about the rules and regulations and then you're being forced to learn all this stuff. I couldn't help but I have to always make sure that I have that in my mind at all times whenever I produced a product, uh, not product, but produced a design of a building. It always had to come back to my mind, had to function, had to work, had to be compliant, had to be buildable. So it was, I was very I was very much stagnated in that position and I do regret it now looking back that I wish I was being more open about the idea of architecture and went in with a clearer mind rather than having those background knowledges of all these buildings and whatnot. But I'm sure today things have most likely changed. The idea between building design and architecture are now they're bridging the gap between the two subjects now. I recently went around Holmes Glen, um, Holmes Glen TAFE recently and noticed a lot of the building design projects, they had some really great stuff, uh, really interesting um, backgrounds to it and it's really starting to show up in today's culture that building design is having that architectural influences that we learned from the Bachelor's of Architecture. So things that we learned from the Bachelor of Architecture are now transitioning into the building design course. I think that's that was essential. But it was during that time, it was a very difficult time during 2011 was when I started my building design course. We were just coming off from a global financial crisis and um, there were projects that needed to be done for housing. So there were the government was pumping out a lot of projects and the school was influenced by that ideal idea of getting as much of the students into the workforce as possible. 
and they ended up skipping all those steps and then they just went through the big steps from regulations and all that stuff so they skipped all the minor steps that we had in the bachelor's architecture in building design so they skipped a lot and then we were just trying to be pushed out uh, into the workforce like uh like manufacturing companies they were just pumping out as much as they can and then we had all these regulations uh 2011 was the introduction of the bushfire assessment level that was after the black saturday bushfires back in i think it was 2010 2011 so those were new regulations and that was heavily pushed on our uh, agenda uh, in our topics and we had to be it was a very new regulation unlike today it was pushing us that these buildings have to work in in such a way for the bushfire uh, regulations the bushfire assessment level and all that stuff so going to the bachelor's of architecture i felt compelled that i have to know that knowledge at the background and so then i had to hold on to that knowledge and bring that forward into to architecture but little did i know when i started architecture it was more about the very much the foundations of architecture the house how the rooms work and all that stuff for room sizes uh spaces and whatnot so they were very honing into very small scale and building up building us up towards a bit towards a big scale over a five-year period whereas the building design course it was very condensed and basically put a whole five-year course into a three-year course or in my case two years course because uh, on my third year I went into denmark on exchange I'm so surprised that like the bushfire attack level was quite recent if you say it's only implemented in 2011 because then I guess it kind of supports this conversation that a lot of my friends and I have had. A lot of the things or the decisions that we make are generally very reactive to what is happening on the external side of things. So like as you said like um, the bushfire attack level happened because of Black Saturday. Um, and then also not to don't forget like there's that building code that was implemented not so long ago because we've had several apartments where they've used really faulty materials and unfortunately costed a lot of people their homes yeah. as well as their well-being because evidently we've seen so many of them catch on fire and it's i don't know if i would say it's disturbing or whether it's fascinating to see that building design is such a reaction to what is happening because um not to put anyone down but i feel like that if you're trying to rush something and like there's there are people who are fast learners which are great because then they can do great work but then i feel like for people who are always constantly put under the pump like we fail to have that time to assess what is happening and therefore like produce i guess like another level of quality yeah. as well whereas architecture i think our education is relatively insular can of worms here or can of fish <laughs> <laughs> um it's relatively insular and because like sure the studio projects that we're doing are reactive to certain situations but i wouldn't say it's reactive on a very large scale yet if not we are still reacting on a very idealistic or very optimistic level of certain things too i don't know what you're taking yeah i that. think it would i think building design is very reactive um as you're mentioning about all the regulations constantly changing the built environment constantly changes over time um 
we had four star energy rating and then we went into five stars and then six stars six star energy rating was only recently introduced um, that was a reaction towards a need for uh, sustainable homes and built environments and then going in further with the building regulations of cladding materials that was a reaction from the Grenfell Towers in London where um, many people lost their lives through those homes that were burnt down because of the cladding material and then every single building that had that cladding material basically had to get removed and replaced and that was a cost at both the government cost as well as our, our own tax cost and so it's such a reaction that you can never ever learn from that in building design they always just push well they you do learn from that in building design but they push that all into you and then you get overwhelmed and you get pushed into remembering all these regulations and making sure i don't think i remembered the building codes or the cladding materials back when i was in building design that was never taught to us i think all those reactive reactionary actions based on rules and regulations are learnt from experience and learnt from over time there's nothing that can be forced into you in one course it's something that you need to constantly keep up to date on yourself even after studying architecture so with architecture it was interesting because they give you these conditions and these rules so they're setting up a foundation into doing your own research to figure out what these conditions mean and then it it sets you up for the long term making sure that you know how to find this stuff and know how to research all this stuff you can never really react to um, the current building environment as is i mean recently we're seeing the covid um covid guidelines come into action like we cannot react from this current crisis not until we evaluate the crisis and understand it and figure out ways that we can improve how architecture can respond to this crisis. Um, that could be stuff like the mental health of um, a person in a home because you've been stuck in a home for how, long, how many weeks has it been now for us in isolation? five weeks of isolation only recently went into those hard lockdowns and, and we end up spending too much time in the built in the area that we are and we end up affecting our mental health and our mental well-being we don't end up opening up um, we don't end up being exposed to anything else because we can't we were stuck um, we can't really do anything about it and i think that was the biggest flaw and building design was the fact that they were pushing you into learning all this stuff where this is not something they're pushing you to learn. This is stuff that they should prepare you to uh, adapt with in the future. Because nothing, anything can change. Uh, you just got to be prepared. Yeah, I would agree with you on that. And I think it's not just like force feeding people things. Oh, maybe not force feeding. That's probably not the right term, but maybe... It feels very much rote learning because, okay, definitely regulations, it's best to learn yeah. it by rote learning because you do kind of need to be confident and be capable of spitting these terms out when you're doing these designs. But I feel like 
the detriment to that is that you don't understand the reasons behind it like yes we know what was the catalyst event for these rules to be implemented but if we can't properly evaluate how successful these rules are like obviously they're doing this because as a precautionary step for the next event that could potentially happen but if we don't think about it and don't give a space like I'm not given a space to evaluate it then I feel like to an extent as you say it's like kind of like a manufacturing system there's no meaning to it and maybe maybe this is speaking from a very um altruistic side of architecture because that's all I've known so far but I still think that if you're going to be doing something like that in building design maybe add that additional level of understanding and evaluation yeah well i mean going back to the bow regulations uh, bushfire assessment level when that was first introduced there were heavy restrictions even if you were say 150 300 k's from dense bushland that was assessed as high risk because that was very reactionary they had to reevaluate it and then eventually they start to ease up so that 100 k's became 50 k's for bushland or something like that not 100 percent up to date on the regulations but it became a smaller radius and so then those homes that that wasn't necessarily needed to be affected by the bushfire assessment level were being assessed as being a safer but eventually with the recent bushfires that happened that can all change um you can never really expect any of this stuff. It's very it's very much do as you go, and then you end up picking it up. And I think um, the one thing that I do suggest for architecture courses to do is maybe introduce those regulations in small amounts, in very, very small doses, and then just over the years and just really introduce them to those really, really finer details, just a very small doses, and then potentially those regulations can actually lift up new alternatives that could raise new alternatives into what a building should be. Whereas the building design course, it was, you had to learn this, you had to build to this assessment level, and there's no other way. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that was a very, it's very restricting. Yeah, because that was one of the questions I actually wanted to ask you was like, did you think like there was anything you wish from building design that could have been applied into architecture and just even from you and you've already answered that and I would like to agree but at the same time I think one of the hardest parts of architecture is going back to how we talked about it's split into so many avenues is that perhaps maybe we do need to implement these rules but for each studio that is related to a certain area of the design like the category i think should at least introduce those types of information related to it as well like any regulations that is related to that yeah i think i think that needs that is probably one of the things that architecture causes can look into is um each year levels um i think the course of architecture to have overarching um overarching topics for the studios maybe they could look further on into these and maybe they could be heavily influenced into one certain studio or something like that. It's trying to reevaluate the school system is probably the hardest thing to do. Um, I'm sure that it must be hard for a lot of the lecturers and a lot of the universities to, to really try and coordinate thousands of students going into architecture and really 
pushing them uh, to learn as much as they can, but also give them the opportunity to broaden their reach and broaden their knowledge. Um, whereas building design is all about just learning one thing and getting you from A to B directly. It, it, it's a hard little thing to, to write, rewrite the whole curriculum, but I think it would be interesting I think it would be nice for the the lecturers to introduce some regulation into it. I don't think a lot of students didn't learn about the calculations of stairs. I've always learned that later on in the years, you got to understand how the stairs function and why you know why is it raised up at this maximum height at one ninety. So there's a lot of limitations in that, and it'd be really interesting to combine some of the knowledges from building design, just very basic stuff, the very basic anthropometrics into architecture course, just so it has some influence and just to help understand the smaller things. Can't stress how many times I've seen a few projects where stairs are just way too high for, for a person to step up and it's just a matter of, yeah, just trying to figure it out. So I've been through a lot of that in my past and actually yeah figuring it out at all um but it's interesting like it'd be nice to just introduce some regulations but not fully all the regulations into architecture i think introducing Mm. some stuff just to give the students an idea of what it is is actually a great option and a great um yeah option for the for the students to get an idea and then like Mm. you can probably I think the best example I can look at is the the National Construction Codes. The National mm-hmm. Construction Codes have a deemed to satisfy and a minimum requirement. So what you don't learn about in architecture is deemed to satisfy is you can do alternate solutions to one regulation, but you just need to prove it as how it is compliant. So it's that negotiation yeah. technique uh, between the NCC and... Mm. It's that opportunity where you can twist the rules and really manipulate the rules and reassess the NCC and really break it apart, which would be an interesting thing to introduce into the architecture course is being able to manipulate the rules to level of compliance. I mean, rules are meant to be tested, I guess. That's probably the right way to say. I mean, push it to the limits and see what happens. Worst comes to worst, the building surveyor will just reject it and just say, please do it this way. That's fine. At least you tried. And that's that's yeah. What, yeah, that's what we have to bring in. Yeah, I feel like, although like, if I were to pick a bone in the statement, I do agree with you, like, knowing those codes as well, like, introduce it fairly early on. But to an extent, maybe it is having that as a separate studio itself or like even as a separate subject because I feel like for how architecture at least in the Australian architecture education backdrop it's a lot of it is to do with theoretical experimentation and not yet quite the practical because from what you've brought on about like yes talking about the stairs but I feel that we do need to learn these but 
also because there's a lot of that statement that teaching philosophy of you won't know until you try so letting people experiment with it first and then introducing it that could be one of the options in terms of introducing those professional practice methods um at the same time i think like there's also that small expectation of letting students google things or like finding information for themselves and it's a little bit about like having that responsibility in taking action in how much you want to know as well because evidently I feel like just from my experience and from talking to other people if you're really interested in something you'll definitely look into it but I think it's also now making the quotes in quotes quote-unquote boring elements or like the practical elements more interesting so that it facilitates students to become more invested in understanding these um, codes as well as I think making it a little bit more accessible because I think there is a reason why sometimes these codes are a little bit hard to find um, because it is to protect our industry but at the same time I feel like you should still give that opportunity for other people to know about these codes because then that way it ensures that in the future they have slightly more solid architecture i don't know if that's like the best way to put it but i feel like that's my take just from listening to what you've said actually i kind of disagree that we shouldn't be introducing those regulations as part of studio but i think it's it's on the onus of the lecturers to actually maybe put their shoes as the surveyor and then question the students Mm. have you considered these regulations and maybe really get them to mm. pick them up. I think studio is a subject to really express yourself. Um, mm. But through my years of, stu- uh, of studying, I haven't really encountered a one single lecturer who actually came and said, oh, have you considered this? Uh, have you considered this regulation? Maybe it's more like mm. the lecturer should actually be more active in trying to push the students to try and understand the regulations but also really allow the students to express themselves a little bit. I see studio as more of a self-expression subject Um, Mm. but I think if I was to become a lecturer myself I would actually push uh, push the students into maybe trying to figure out those regulations and maybe consider the regulation these certain regulations so if um (laughs) if the studio is based around a bushland like maybe we could talk to them and discuss with them about the bushfire assessment levels that could be something Mm. so it could it doesn't have to be like a a main topic but it could be just a subcategory you don't really get introduced to a lot of that until probably masters i think fifth year Mm. fifth year second semester is when they're asking you to do all those technical stuff which is probably way too late in the time. I think it should have been introduced much yeah. earlier, have the students get an earlier grasp of it. So let them design it and mm. then maybe go into the smaller scale of stuff. Maybe if they're doing like certain bathrooms, um, have they considered disabled bathrooms and all that stuff and how the disabled bathroom functions. Yeah. Have you considered how a person with a wheelchair Um, goes into these spaces have you considered how the wheelchair turns in the space and all that stuff this is all real stuff that happens in the workforce of architecture is you have to consider these regulations and it's up to the onus of the building surveyors to really push 
and ask them those questions to get the permit. Yeah. So maybe it's the onus of yeah. the lecturers to actually consider asking the students those questions about these regulations. Maybe they need to consider it. And who knows, they can create a really mm. unique solution. Architecture design is a very deliberate approach, I guess. Is, and yeah. I think you need to really introduce those. Because it gives the students the opportunity to really push the regulations, maybe even like question and maybe test the regulations, maybe question it. Why is it like that? I yeah. think uh, I think lecturers. It's a good idea for lecturers, and I I know you yourself are, is a lecture are a lecturer. <laughs> I'm literally sweating bullets on you. It's like the artist, this uh, the lecturers and the tutors' responsibility. I'm thinking, oh no. Like uh, like I, I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but I like the fact that the lecturers are really pushing to allow the students to be creative, but then also maybe consider questioning those little regulation stuff regulatory stuff that could be a really interesting thing yeah. and then they'll really push the students to really think hard and then throughout their career they can actually uh, throughout their studies they can actually start to adapt those ideas into their future projects initially they could be doing <laughs> one meter corridors by third year fourth year they could be doing 1.5 meter corridors and then they can find alternate ways of utilizing the extra 500 meters so yeah like not saying anything bad about lecturers but <laughs> i just think there is this opportunity where we as experienced people can actually try and push the students to actually know these regulations so it's not a matter of introducing the subject but more maybe introducing it as a sub topic and maybe questioning them and i think last year when i was guest critting for a group of first year students I was questioning the very basic stuff, um, like spaces and uh, s- stairs and all that stuff. Um, that kind of got them to really think about it, and they actually were quite happy about getting that kind of feedback because I don't think they really were familiar with that and never really considered it. Yeah, and yeah, I think I think there's a there's a potential of that someday. <laughs> oh, you never know. I think. I think, again, it comes down to, like, projects and the types of projects because, like, many people can evidently agree or disagree with what we've said, but if you think about it, like, if you're designing to something we've had more experience with before, like, per se, like, residential apartments and, like, high-rise apartments, like, yeah, definitely, I think those regulations are a little bit easier, but if it's something a little bit more futuristic, it comes to the question of, do we want to continue on these types of regulations that has been implemented now? Because, as you said, we're currently designing from what we've experienced, but we are yet to design something because we are not concrete about the future as well so it opens up a lot of topics for conversations because definitely I do have somebody in mind would love to interview them about like accessibilities in the city one day just about like how there are a lot of things that we forget to design for which is frustrating I could feel for them but at the same time again it comes down to whether we've approached them for those types of solutions as well so lots of things to think about definitely i think early introduction of these to get the students to think about it i mean if you think about the future of Mm. architecture it could be a case of you know everyone has jetpacks uh yeah how do you make sure that people don't get hurt 
when they're riding <laughs> jetpacks in their homes or something yeah. like that. Oh. Yeah. So that could be something that could consider, and they could really go very wild and very avant garde about the the whole concept of the future. What is the future? Yeah. 1980s, 1986, they had this idealistic future where by the year 2000, we'd have flying cars. So then they were designing these projects based around the flying car,、mm. but it's still not yet adapted yet.、Mm. So, you know, there's the. Introduction of regulations pushed them to maybe see what their future would be like,、um, mm. and then they can actually start to change it, and maybe they could question the、um, the regulations in the future. Yeah, the best way to to see it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah.、Um, I think maybe to close this off the conversation before we go into a very dark rabbit hole, as we generally do, <laughs> I find between the two of us.、Um, A very roundabout way of me to close off this conversation again. Say, for instance, you've seen everything that you've done so far. Now, going back to the start, do you think you would have gone straight into architecture before building design, or like if you had the opportunity to, would you take building design and then go into architecture? Um, I don't think I regret my decision,、uh, my approach, and my decision making of going from building design to architecture. Looking at today,、um, looking back, I've learnt to really question the rules and regulations, and that was heavily influenced by architecture school, where they try to push you to test your reasoning behind your design. So, I don't think I regret it at all one bit.、Mm. I think I wish that I approached it differently, moving in from building design into architecture. Going into architecture with a more open mind, as if I don't know anything,、mm. that would have been a better approach. But I don't really regret the decision of going from building design, and I, I, I wouldn't. It is a long, 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 long year. <laughs> I can't emphasize how long. I think I've been studying for about nine years now, and finally finishing up. So, congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. But honestly, I. Don't think I regret it one bit. Those nine years has really helped me develop my understanding of architecture through regulations and through concept design and really thinking about the future of architecture.、Yeah. I don't think I regret it one bit at all. I think、mm. I'm happy with it.、Mm. Um, I highly encourage everyone if if you can't get into architecture. Go into building design and then go into architecture.、Uh, it is a much longer process. Don't take a gap year between bachelor's and master's like I did, <laughs> stretching out to ten years. But、um, yeah, I mean, give it a go. I think it's it's always worth an alternate.、Uh, building design is a great alternative, and I'm sure that the course most likely have changed since 2010 to now. I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, look at us. Like, if we're looking back at the first year in comparison to the first year now, it's very different. But yeah, exactly. Well,、yeah. from massive cardboard boxes to 
online learning, you know, in terms of news. <laughs> Very true. Anyhow, thanks again so much, Andy. Really glad right. to have you on board. And thank you so much for coming back again. Had a few hiccups initially, but so glad to have you back. As always, do you have anything you'd like to plug in? Your Instagram or uh, My Instagram mm. page is... Mm. I will link in the notes, by the way. <laughs> ALEI.studio dot work yeah which has a lot of my studio dot works with a s at the end uh which has a lot of my projects from uh from the year and a lot of travel photos so of architecture also got a linkedin profile and working on a website of all my projects in the past 10 years uh, 10 long years amazing and as always guys if you ever have anything you'd like us to talk about by all means please reach out on our instagram alchemist and making um but yeah please subscribe and we'll see you for another episode bye bye